Commandos. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the Uh, hello? Bueller. 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 It's Sandoz in the... Don't do it. If you value our partnership, don't do it. We've been putting it in together five years. Don't do it, Mike. Don't, don't do it, Mike. Dude, who's there? Why'd you do it, Mike? Why? Why? To humiliate me? Boring. For what? No. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. 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 I refuse. No. No. On the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Tuesday, Sandoz, no sidekick. On Tuesdays, we're going to talk to Robert Harper, our sideline extraordinaire. He'll have the call on ESPN Plus of the Furman game with Mark Hutzel. But he was on the sidelines for what was, I don't know, missed opportunity gate 2022 as ETSU three times uh, got to the red zone. Technically, twice they got in the red zone and didn't score. The other one was at the 21-yard line. So I don't know if I can put an asterisk by that. I'm going to ask Robert in a second. But if I can put an asterisk by the – drive that got to the 21 then had the personal foul and Blake Austin backed them out but missed opportunities in the red zone two personal foul penalties that would have got Citadel off the field to punt the football one offensive opportunity I just mentioned but a little bit of undisciplined football with the personal fouls and then the red zone really cost ETSU so Robert Harper joined us now on the phone line and Robert that was the two big takeaways I got from the Citadel game what was your big takeaways? It was just those opportunities really stand out to me. I think there was still some consistency issues offensively that you would like to see get better, and I think they got better from week one into week two. But those opportunities that you had, not only the ones within the red zone, but even within the plays in the red zone that I thought the sequencing was off a bit, um, you're going to look back on them and go, man, what could have been? We should probably be sitting here at two and oh and when I talk about sequencing I, I go back to the very opening drive when the Bucks went right down the field and you know had those those four plays inside the five to to try to score and went forward on fourth down and you know people look at the throw and go boy I, I have a problem with that and I don't have a problem throwing the football in close situations inside the one even I think the sequencing for me, was was a bit different than what I would have expected. I would have expected play action on third down, and then if you've already made the decision, this is four downs, then run it on fourth versus throw it again uh, in, in that situation. So I think the sequencing was off. It, usually, you hear the the old adage: if you're going to throw at the goal line, you're going to throw on second or third down. You're not going to throw uh, on first or fourth. So, you know, for me, you know, those opportunities there were a bunch of them. That one stands out. Uh, you mentioned the other trips, the interception by Tyler Rydell might have been one of those opportunities missed because 
that was a situation where he just didn't want to not get points, right? And the Bucks were trying to get a lot more. He has a lot of faith in Will Huzzy. He should. I mean, Huzzy for his catch against Mars Hill was on You Got Moss last night. So there's reasons why he felt like he could throw the football up, but it was a poor throw, ended up being um, intercepted in, in that situation. And then to me, I, I go back defensively, he had the opportunities on really the straight, the two straight dive plays really to, to the fullback that, that gave the Citadel the opportunity and, and one that they would cash in to win the game. I think, you know, you clean those things up defensively and, Heck, you still might be playing football in Charleston today. So, you know, yes, I think missed opportunities are going to stand out. I think there was some improvement slightly offensively. That's got to continue. I think defensively, I still think you're going to get what you get. Uh, you know, Billy Taylor was able to hold the Citadel to 20 points, and honestly, it could have been lower than that. It probably should have been. But I thought they were really good for about three and a half quarters of that football game. And unfortunately, just late, they, they let it slip away. So I, I think – this can't be understated, but I feel like not a lot of people uh, maybe give enough credence to it. But not having Juwan Martin, especially in the goal line situation, I think was difficult. Not having Bryson Irby, not having Trey Foster, knowing that Jacob Sailors had to pretty much play every down because no offense to Adrian Johnson and Amir Dindy, who are two talented kids and given a little more time to grow, were probably shine in a buck uniform. But that put a lot of pressure on just Jacob Sailors and I think took some of the play calling away um, from the staff uh, to me. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Honestly, thinking about that this morning, uh, more importantly, the tailback situation to me. I I thought not having Juwan Martin at the goal line was as crucial as even some of the sequencing because I feel like if Martin had been at the goal line, you can either hand it to him, right, and get in, because he, he's shown that he can score touchdowns in an ETSU uniform, and, or he can he can be that lead blocker. And I think they were asking, you know, some guys to do things that they wouldn't normally do because of that situation. So I think the injuries was definitely hurt. Uh, I think some of those missing pieces certainly uh, played a part in, in why the play calling was what it was. Uh, but you know, to be a those are things you should be able to overcome, and you know. But yeah, I was thinking about the fullback situation in particular today. I just, I'm sitting there going, you know, what would it have been like had you had a Jawan Martin or a, a true, you know, bigger back um, to try to to lead block for Jacob Sailors, um, or you know, maybe even to carry the football uh, in, in that goal line situation. Yeah, so uh, talking to Robert Harper, recap of the game against the Citadel. Uh, you know, the personal fouls were, were another issue, and I think ETSU got better at cleaning that up as it went. But that was a game where the Citadel, I think, swung on the fourth down and goal because Citadel came out, a lot of fire, a lot of vigor. They were starting pushing, shoving matches. They were getting ETSU a little rattled. They went up 3 nothing. ETSU came right down the field. If they score at 7-3 on that fourth and goal, or third and goal, whenever they could have scored, if they score right there at 7-3, I think that deflates everything. But because they didn't and it was a fourth down hold, you just felt, and it happened right in front of the core of cadets, right? You just felt that energy go, and I think that kind of helped the next quarter and a half for the Citadel until ETSU finally got points uh, right before the end of the first half. I thought that that was a big swing. You mentioned the personal foul penalties uh, right at the start. You know, I, I said it on a broadcast. I, I may even said it in a, in a break. I, I just think the Citadel was playing on an edge a little bit. I think they did it on purpose. Uh, they were pushing and shoving and talking, and I think ETSU fed into that. I think the Citadel kind of went with the 
Well, we gotta we gotta we gotta find something, right, to give us a little bit of an edge. And I think they played on that edge and then it started to benefit them um, in that first half in particular and, and part of that third quarter. I think ETSU did a good job about midway through the third of trying to clean some of that stuff up with the talking, the pushing, the shoving. Um, but I think the Citadel was 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 living on an emotional edge early in that game and, and it kinda and kinda caught ETSU a little bit. Um, and so a little bit more discipline in that in the, in that space, and I think you know you're you're in a better spot um, a, a, as well. And, and then you're right. I think the fourth down stop was an emotional change. Not only were they you know out there pushing and shoving and talking and doing all those things that they were doing to kind of keep themselves energized, uh, but then they got that fourth down stop, and I think it changed. I think not only did it give the Citadel life and the core there some life to to continue. The, the emotional surge that they had and added to it, I think it, it kind of deflated the ETSU sideline a little bit. You kind of kind of feel it. It was kind of like a like a gut punch um, that they just weren't expecting. I think ETSU did exactly everything they expected to do all the way down the field, and then when they got to that point where they thought this is who we are, we're we're just better. It was kind of you know like, oh, that's disappointing, and it never really bothered them in terms of like they didn't go down 10, 17, nothing real quick, but. It just kind of seemingly just deflated a little bit of everything until that final drive in the first half. ETSU uh, continues to struggle on third down, just two for eight uh, in the contest, 0 for 1 on fourth, that fourth and one. Uh, Citadel just 5 of 14, but they had some critical uh, third down conversions, a couple on that last drive uh, for the game-winning field goal. But, uh, you know, defensively, I don't know what you can say about Chandler Martin, sets a school record, 23 tackles, reigning Southern Conference Player of the Week. And, you know, they were on the field a lot. I mean, ETSU just had 20 minutes and 44 seconds time of possession, almost 40 minutes for the Citadel. I mean, almost had it – well, they had it two-thirds of the game. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to have the football for extended periods of time. And I think, you know, what the way the first half and really the ball game as a whole played out, the Citadel was able to play that game, right? They were able to be who they wanted to be the, the option, the triple option, I don't know if I would even consider that Saturday the true triple option. It was an option-style offense, but it didn't look anything like we've seen the Citadel look in the past. The, the whole goal was to try to get a little bit of a lead early and just kind of kind of methodically you know, hang on to the football, and I think they were able, they were able to do that. I, I talked about you know, putting the, getting, getting a lead in the game. Right? It, it, the Bucks could have gotten a lead in the game. It would have been the first – what I consider truly important and impactful snap that the Citadel offense was going to have in the game because it's the first one that had urgency behind it, and the Bucks never could get over that hurdle. So the Citadel, for the entire ball game, really, because they went up 3 nothing early and maintained that lead for the game, that, that, that because they got that early lead, they played on house money the entire time and never took a, a okay, if we don't get this, we're not going to win type, situation right they had that on the last drive but still it was a tie game the worst that was going to happen for them was going to be overtime so you know they they were kind of playing with a kind of a free willing attitude able to just continue to have that offense on the field be very methodical you know get some bigger plays in the passing game which we hadn't seen the citadel do a lot in recent years and so you know for me the, the bucks never could get over the hurdle to where it forced the offense to take a meaningful We've got to have this. If we don't have this, the game's over type of snap. And, you know, for the Bucks, I think they, were, they, they felt that pressure 
as soon as they didn't get the fourth down on the goal line, I think the Bucks offense felt, okay, we've got to we've got to have something, and they just never really were able to get that something. Yeah, just three drives in the first half for ETSU. The last one ended in a touchdown. Then the next two drives were punts. One of them backed up because of the penalty. Then ETSU gets the touchdown. Then they forced the Citadel where they ended up getting a net seven-yard punt. It was a 12-yard punt officially, but then when the five-yard penalty was tacked on for illegal formation, ETSU had it at the 13, and then that was sort of the second backbreaker, the, the interception where it looked like Rydell was expecting Huzzy to kind of go towards the corner, and he was going to lob it up for, you know, why not? We just mentioned the You Got Moss segment that Will Huzzy was able to, to be on from the Mars Hill game. But then Huzzy wasn't there. He kind of stopped uh, where he was. I don't know if that's what the route called for or whatever. I'm not. I'm not seeing either one of those guys to talk to him about it. Either or, throw up and and the big turnover. So again, that critical situation. These are things in 2018, and then 2021 last year that ETSU made all those plays right. And then you go back to 2019 where ETSU didn't make all those plays. Now I'm not ready to wave the flag and say this is 2019 revisited but there were some eerily similar situations that felt like ETSU left some stuff hanging now that being said I think some of this is still everyone's learning the offense and you hope that the offense towards the end of the year game nine and ten is not what the offense is looking like game one and two Tyler Rydell still getting comfortable I think we saw Jacob Saylor's run the football more effectively because he himself self-admitted that he felt more comfortable running the plays, knowing where he's supposed to be, where he's supposed to take the football, and those holes started to open up for the offensive line as opposed to week one where he wasn't hitting the right holes. He was doing things that was supposed to be ran under Randy Sanders or what he was used to. So I think you're starting to see the run game come together. The passing game is still a little bit behind. They had guys open, rather a guy stumbled coming out of a break or they didn't make the catch or there's over or under throws, but the passing game is still slightly behind. It was good to see, I think, the great strides the running game made, but we got to see the passing game has to make a step up. I would agree with that. And I think the the, you know, the, the combination of Will Huzzy and Tyler right now is important. Uh, right, I think Will needs to be catching five and six passes a ball game, if not more. I mean, I think that is, that is something that needs to happen. Isaiah Wilson had three catches in that ball game, uh, was the target on that fourth down in the end zone. Uh, and Osh Carter's getting some opportunity. I just would like to see one other guy, you know, maybe Cam Lewis on the perimeter get an opportunity. I don't know in two games if he's had a target. He, he is he's not. Big, I was going to bring that up big, next, but he is not. He, he's a big target, right? And he's athletic. We know that from – past uh, time at ETSU. We know that from his time outside of of the program and now back in it. I mean, big, strong, athletic, looks the part, has good hands. Like, to me, that's that's something where, you know, hopefully, and I'm I'm sure Tyler is, and I'm sure the team is, you just take a little bit more time and work before or after practice so that you know that that Cam Lewis is going to be in the spot you want. Because I think if you could add one more piece on the perimeter, and I think Cam Lewis is that piece or someone similar. If you can add one more piece, then the offense link opens up a little bit because it stands right now, whoever's been at that spot, whether it's Cam Lewis or somebody else, has not seen many throws this direction. So the defense is going to automatically roll to Huzzy and to, to Isaiah Wilson and even at times. So you got to find that one other piece 
um, I think, to, to be able to spread around. So maybe some targets this week for somebody else like a Cam Lewis would, would, would certainly help. But I think this, the offense, the passing game's got to take some strides. And it's a different passing game, let's just be honest, than what we saw you know, under Randy Sanders. Um, there's a lot, a little bit more under center as well uh, under Randy Sanders than what we're seeing now. Um, a little bit more play action, traditional stuff, and maybe more effective play action because of the, the two-headed monster and the All-American with Quay Holmes and then the, the preseason All-American now in 2022 and, and Jacob Saylor. So for me, you know, you just got to find a rhythm offensively. And I think the things that I haven't seen, I, I expected to see a little bit more, um, you know, uh, not vertical, but, uh, you know, side-to-side passing game. We haven't seen a lot of that. Um, so far, I wonder if that's going to be something that we start to see a little bit more of easier completions for Tyler right now, especially early in the ball game, and maybe get the offense going. Let's talk about special teams for a second. I thought Trace Kelly, uh, another, I think his first punt um, wasn't particularly great, but his other three punts were great. I think they found a punter finally that you can kind of trust to do some things. I thought Tyler Keltner was obviously the one chance he got him 28 yards, you know, looked great. And I think that's a good bounce back considering he had two misses the first day. I thought uh, Tonquez Ball, who was thrown into kick uh, return duty because, again, Jacob Sailors was off the special teams this week. And they were trying to kick away from either what they thought was Jacob Sailors or Naj Carter. But Tonquez actually was able to get a fair catch, but he had two kick returns, uh, one of 34 yards, the other one of 28 yards. So, again, some positives in that special teams. Now, I know there was the one punt return given up or those a block in the back or not. You still got to count it as a punt return given up. But special teams still solid for this ETSU program. Good, and the kicking game solid. Uh, you just need to clean up the coverage on the one punt. I mean, but we've seen it now for two weeks in the kicking game. I mean, Marcel was – was short kicking everything, and the Bucks were still returning that. Um, they were kicking opposite of who ETSU would prefer the ball uh, to be in the hands of uh, at Citadel, and still getting big returns and, and good starting field position. I mean, after kicks, I mean the Bucks field position's been pretty good. You just don't want to return very many of them because that means the other team's scoring. So, you know that's that's been good. I think Elijah Huzzy, the punt return, we, we know what he can do. Uh, and then the kicking game strong, and I, I agree with you that, uh, on the uh, punting situation. I think Trace Kelly has just been a, a breath of fresh air. He hits the ball really high, really deep, a lot of carry, a lot of hang time. Um, had a 56 yarder, um, a couple inside the 20 uh, in that in the Citadel ball game, and so while his average was 39, I think, um, which isn't terrible, but it's not you know that 45 that you would want to see. Um, some of that was, was due to the fact that he was trying to, you know, pin them deep inside of the 20-yard line. So he was, you know, it was it was more of a situation than, than his kick. So I, I think the kicking game is good. I, I think the team is, is ripe to be a, a really good Southern Conference football team, and one that, you know, if you can kind of right the ship and do it pretty quickly, could, could be on the verge uh, of the playoffs yet again. I just, you know, you've, you've got to – kind of put it all together. I think the pieces are there, right? But what's the chemistry? What's the feel? A lot of it is belief um, and realizing that, you know, while you had a ton of success last year, that it's not automatically going to be given to you in 2022. Yeah, that's going to lead. We're going to hear some comments in a second from Will Huzzy and Chandler Martin, but that's a similar theme from Will Huzzy that we'll hear the exact quote, but basically verbatim, you know, there's some guys living off last year, and and, uh, to quote him, this ain't last year. And so the big thing is, is 
ETSU has always been better at hunting than being hunted, and they've got to figure out how to play when being hunted because there's a lot of teams that had this game scheduled on their calendar similar to 2019 where teams took out a lot of frustration for the loss 2018, and one of those immediate teams coming up is this Saturday in the Furman Palins with ETSU scoring in the last nine seconds of the game to uh, take that victory away from Furman. Plus, you add in Coach Corals being a Furman guy, uh, the team swapping basically offensive line coaches. So there's a lot of intertwined uh, storylines between ETSU and Furman, but nobody's going to feel sorry for ETSU, Robert, and they've got to be able to figure it out coming up this Saturday. Football team than what you played last week. I mean, I know it was on the road at the Citadelists at all operation and then the you know the freshness freshness of the legs and things of that nature you don't have to get on bus you don't have to get you know hours or more down the road you don't stay at a hotel um you can sleep in your own bed so hopefully that helps but uh, you're getting a much better football team in Furman and I think it's a better Furman football team than what the Bucks saw a year ago when when they went down to Greenville had to win in that last nine seconds right I think they're better I think the quarterback position in particular is significantly improved I mean Let's just be honest. They went to Clemson, and they got beat 35-12. But they outgained the Tigers in the game offensively. And they held the Tigers, I believe, just, you know, like 350 total yards of offense, somewhere in that number. I'm not looking at the numbers off the top of my head. I just remember seeing them. You know, you're talking about a firm defense that did that to an ACC, you know, powerhouse and a former national champ and, you know, Dabo Sweeney and all that stuff. So the defense is going to be better. I think the offense with the quarterback confirmed is, is, is going to be something that's going to be a little bit different. And I I think that as you look at this Furman offense coming in, and I haven't seen the tape. I can only gather what it's going to be. A little bit more pass-heavy than Furman offenses in the past. Furman threw it in the past. Um, they were more multiple in their, in their look. But I, I think they're going to – I mean, there's a chance they can throw it 40 times on Saturday. And I don't know the last time a Furman team threw the ball 40 times. There's a real chance uh, with the quarterback they have now um, that they, they're going to throw the ball uh, as any team in the Southern Conference, maybe not named Western Carolina. Well, Robert, we appreciate the time. Uh, I'll be seeing you this weekend as you uh, prepare to work with Mark Hutzel again, this time by yourself. Forward to it. I really, truly am. Um, I just feel bad for anyone that uh, has to tune in and, and see the two of us on TV at the same time. That's a, that's a scary proposition. But now I'm looking forward to it. It's always fun to be in a, in a booth with Mark, and, and hopefully uh, the folks are either listening, obviously, to your call or watching somewhere uh, as uh, the Bucks hopefully get a, get a W on Saturday. Well, I'll make this promise. I've already talked to our IT department. We had a great coaching show last night, no issues. The radio broadcast will sound better. Uh, the one it did at the Citadel, and I know their TV uh, broadcast was garbage, so we'll be better at that too. So at least they'll be able to see and hear you. They'll be able to hear me, and at least the broadcasting crew will have a better uh, broadcast than we had on Saturday. Well, I'll tell you, and, and, I, and I don't want to pump up the, the folks at ETSU too much, but uh, your group, your, your team, Stephen May, and everybody else, I've watched a ton of football already in two and a half, three weeks. I've watched some pretty high-level football that have been that's been produced. Buck fans are spoiled. I'm just going to tell you when it comes to the media department and what they see and, and the production value that they get. You have a you have a very good group, so uh, you're, you're spoiled in that regard. I think they know that, and uh, so we look forward to bringing you the pictures and the sounds on uh, on Saturday. 
Well, Robert, you be safe travel from uh, Charlotte, and I'll see you uh, Saturday morning, buddy. From Stephen May. What was that? Give me a cookie from Stephen May. Ah, uh, yeah, I can, I can certainly do that for that, uh, that or gummy bears, <laughs> either one, buddy. I'll, I'll take either one, man. I look forward. Thanks, man. All right, see you, Robert. Sandos, no sidekick back with you as uh, we're going to transition. Not away from the Citadel yet because I thought there were some great player comments uh, from Chandler Martin, the Southern Conference Defensive Player of the Week, and by Will Huzzy. Uh, and I'm going to start with Chandler Martin first. And the question came in from the media about did he have an idea he was close to breaking a record? I had no idea. I was just trying to get around the ball. I was just trying to push the pile the opposite direction. I was just trying to be in the vicinity, just trying to help my teammates do whatever we can to get the win. No, honestly, I was just thinking we need to stop. We need to get our offense back on the field. We need to do whatever we can to get our offense back on the field. So we need to stop a turnover, anything I could do to help, I was trying to do. So Chandler Martin just trying to do what he can to make stops, to make plays. It just happened that he had 23 tackles. But Chandler said that he knows ETSU still has a lot to work on. I feel like we played a pretty good game, but I feel like we had a lot of personal fouls that hurt us. We had a lot of drive killers and just stuff that we cannot have. To They just had to extend their drives. So I feel like we played a decent game, but we have a lot of stuff we need to work on as well. Well, Chandler Martin talked about how ETSU and the, the team knows everyone's going to be gunning for them, so they need to play for one another. And I feel like we can always control how we respond. So one thing I feel like we can always control is just how we respond and how we come together as a team after a loss. And we just bring us tighter. You bring us tighter, make us depend on each other. Like we really need, it's really going to be the guys in this room that get it done. So if we all just depend on each other, play for each other, I feel like it would be good going down the road. Finally, uh, Chandler Martin talked about how he learned from the best playing behind Donovan Manuel and Jared Folks. Just the key reads, just the little things to see that can help you, the little hints, your reads, like how to place your hands, how to feel, anything. I was just trying to be a sponge, trying to learn from them, trying to pick up anything I could from them because, you know, Jared, he's been doing it for a while, so he's learned from a lot of people. He's just, he's just a wisdom. He just has a lot of knowledge. He, and Colton Lakes as well. Colton was in the program for a long time. Colton used to help me with my reads and just seeing everything really slowing the game down for me. We transitioned to Will Huzzy, who talked about it was a backbreaker for the Bucks not to get points in the red zone. Obviously, we struggled to get points in the red zone, so there's no reason why we go down there three times inside the five and we can't get points. So, especially in the SOCOM play, you need to get as many points as you can because obviously the defense, they did their job. That wasn't that wasn't on the defense. I feel like if we score in them, on them three drives in the red zone, that's our win. That's not on defense. That's strictly offense. Will Huzzy, a follow-up question by the media came down. Well, what was the difference in the red zone? Will was quite frank about it. It's who wants it more. Yeah, they just come with reps. And then, I mean, I feel like red zone is really just come down with attitude. Like, who wants it more? You know, and uh, I guess Citadel just wanted more. You know, so, so we just going to – Go to film today, tweak some things um, at 7 o'clock practice, and get, put this game behind us and get prepared for me. 
Will Huzzy continued to talk about how the teammates need to pull together and fight for one another. Well, I take my guys over any guy, over anybody. So I seen we done it before. So I don't see what the issue is. We, you know, we just just a bump in the road. You know, we got we pretty much got this, almost the same guys from last year. So I know what we can do. You know what I'm saying? It's just a little bump in the road, and I'm 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 cool with taking the blame on stuff like that. You know, we're just a little bump in the road. I know what our guys can do. I take my guys over anybody. So it's just a little bump in the road. We just bounce back this, this coming weekend. Question came in, wanting to know about uh, from Will Huzzy, how does ETSU, you know, can you can you learn from a loss? Can you build from a loss? And I thought Will Huzzy made the most poignant comment about losing and what it meant to this team. It's bittersweet. You know, yeah, you want to win all the games, but that loss, and you know, it's a wake-up call to everybody now, you know. I feel like some of us are still on, still on the stuff from last year. Yeah, we so conscious. Like, man, that loss, it woke everybody up. Like, yeah, that's last year now. What are we going to do this year? So I'm glad it's bittersweet. Yeah, we want to win, but that loss, it really it woke up everybody. Now we, now it's telling people we're beatable. Yeah, certainly telling people they're beatable. Just like I talked to Robert Harper about a second ago, you know teams have ETSU circled on the calendar because of how the games ended last year, specifically Furman. We'll talk about Furman coming up uh, next segment. We're going to take a look at the Southern Conference scoreboard, but I like what Will Huzzy said. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. You can't live off last year. This year's a new year. I'll work with the same team. We know we can do it. We just got to execute. And the defense, and special teams, you would imagine, is ahead of the offense because it's sort of the, the same names and faces. I know Trace Kelly's new as the punter, and there's some different names, Chandler Martin, but Billy Taylor can coach linebackers. I don't think I have to tell anybody how great he's been at linebackers. He's going to get linebackers to play. They're going to make plays. That's not a problem. Can the offense get it turned around? Break down. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. Sandoz and the sidekick. We have ignition. No sidekick. Strap it on. Here we go. In your face, all over the place. Sandoz, it's the sidekick. Still one of my favorite, the breakdown. We're going to break down Southern Conference style by myself, so this won't be like a 30-minute extraordinaire like we used to do. It'll be a little quicker, but I'm still going to thoroughly go over the results. Number one, VMI over Bucknell. The run game, uh, surprisingly, has been great for VMI early this season. Rashad Rice, 24 carries, 107 yards and a score. Hunter Raymond scores a touchdown on 70 yards on 13 carries. Those guys combined for 177, just those two alone on the ground. Josh Knapp records his first two interceptions of his career. Stone Snyder, speaking of linebackers, is there a better one than him? 11 tackles led the way for the Keydets over Bucknell. And Jerry Rice converts his 30th field goal of his career. That is third all-time on VMI's list. Georgia Sanford, I don't know what to say. Georgia was held to 128 yards. I think that's a win for Sanford. If you saw what Oregon could do, um, I'll take 128 yards for the Sanford Bulldogs, although I hate their guts because they cost me a uh, bold prediction. Ty King, four catches, 52 yards, and the Georgia's 33-zip uh, win over the Sanford Bulldogs. Elon against what is an atrocious Wofford offense. Second straight game, the Terriers were shut out. Their next two games at Virginia Tech, at Kennesaw State, I don't know they're going to score. I think it's uh, Joe the Terrier and that um, a good follow on Twitter. I like to follow Southern Conference fans. I know he listens um, to the podcast, talks a lot of ETSU fans. He said he won't score in a month. I don't know if they're going to score for five or six games. I'm just being completely honest. Um, unless they change or come up with something, they had 128 yards against Elon. Now, Sanford had 128 yards against Georgia. You can see that. 
but 128 yards against Elon. Some of the fans are talking about bringing bags to the game to put over there. I mean, it's boy, uh, never would have thought uh, what Mike Ayers left would have fallen and fallen so quickly. Uh, but the Wofford Terriers, I don't think they're going to score next two weeks. I think they're going to play the first four games of the season, a full month of college football, and not have a single point. Georgia Tech 35-17 over Western Carolina. Carlos Davis threw a pair of first-quarter touchdowns, 233 total yards, and actually led 14-7 at the end of one quarter. But four turnovers will do it every time as Georgia Tech forced those turnovers, got easy points. And just like Furman, who we're going to talk about in a second, the Catamounts outgained the Yellow Jackets. Speaking of Furman, Tyler Huff, the opponent, the opposing quarterback coming up this weekend, 30 of 39, 256 yards and a touchdown. Senior tight end Ryan Miller, 13 catches, 95 yards. I think that's set or tightest school record for most catches in a game. 25-yard touchdown reception in the second quarter for Ryan Miller. The Paladins outgained the Tigers 384 to 376 and held Clemson to just seven second-half points. And if there is a surprise, it's probably how powerful the Furman offense has been with Tyler Huff at the quarterback. It's hard to say how good he was going to be, and I'm not knocking Huff. I'm knocking the fact that who he played for at Presbyterian, excuse me, how that system has ran. And so you didn't really know. I think you didn't really know how well he would adapt to a brand-new offense. The firm has gone away from the option. No more three-back. Um, they, you know, They'll do some dual option, a read option, maybe a speed option, but they're not doing – Uh, All that stuff, they move Wayne Anderson Jr. out to a wide receiver, to a slot. I think that makes him a little more dangerous. Dominic Roberto is going to run a lot out of the pistol, 240 pounds. He's going to get downhill on you. So we'll talk more about Furman coming up, but very impressive. Um, I wasn't sure. I thought they would be in that middle third, but depending on how the game goes this weekend, certainly could uh, throw their name in the hat for maybe one of the top three uh, teams to go with Chattanooga. And Mercer. Speaking of Chattanooga, 38-20, impressive win at Eastern Illinois. And speaking of quarterbacks, Preston Hutchinson, a transfer from Eastern Michigan, threw for 278 and a score. Plus, he ran for 64 yards and two touchdowns. A limb four, just a ho-hum 73 yards for him. But he also had two touchdowns and no shock. Two sacks by that Mox defense, Ben Bruton and Jay Person, each with two sacks as Chattanooga rolls again and looks solid, 38-20 over Eastern Illinois. Shohei Otani has taken the MLB by storm this season. He's the first player in MLB history to be selected to the All-Star Game as both a pitcher and a position player. The Brooklyn Nets are whole. They are done. If they were committed, if they put in that work, you'd be in the Eastern Conference right now. The Brooklyn Nets are whole watching the playoffs with the rest of us. JaVale McGee has been added to the Team USA roster. Yes, I'll say that again. JaVale McGee. Damari Monsanto announced he would not be returning to the Buccaneers. A 6'6", 225-pound, three-star shooting guard was this year's Southern Conference Freshman of the Year. But Jay is my teammate. He stepped up with the 17 green to our left. The 18th tee, 45 yards away. Jay proceeds. Ask Robert who beat him in golf lately. To the 17th green and into the 17th bucket. All right, bold prediction recap. I'm going to do this quickly because I was not good. Uh, defense to score defense a touchdown against the Citadel. No, sir. Uh, New England. I don't even want to go over that. And Sanford would score a touchdown. Um, in the first half, and of course they did not score. For Matt Wiljum, he had a defense pitches a shutout. 
Uh, also, 400 yards of total offense, 100 for Jacob Sailors, and he did get it right on the ground, but 250 in the air was not right. And I'm going to put a question mark by his Miami pick since they were actually favored in the game. He had him winning outright. I'm not real sure. That's bold. So I'm not going to give him the credit for that. So he goes 0-3 just because I get a score and he's not here to defend himself. ETSU Furman coming up Saturday. Hopefully Matt won't be too mad at me. He'll let me break down the game uh, for ETSU Furman. Plus we'll take a look around the Southern Conference slate. Four downs and bold predictions coming up on our next show. We'll try to get that out on Thursday on another edition of Sandos No Sidekick. Buccaneer Sports Network.